Hello, everybody. This is Christian Thwaites of Brown Janikowski. I'm here with Rita Lee. Good afternoon, everyone. And this is our monthly <laughs> uh, conference call. Um, so we're trying to keep this to 20 minutes. Um, and this is obviously two days before Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll also open it up to questions after we've hit about 10, 15 minutes worth of discussion. Um, and at that point, if you could, uh, we'll, we'll remind you, but to um, press star nine, and that keeps, um, that keeps, uh, that should open up the uh, the the, uh, the lines. Okay. Um, well, it's certainly been uh, a difficult October, and then we sort of came into November and found that most markets retraced the falls in October. So we saw the S and P down about nine ten percent, I think, in October, reader, and then we retraced some of that in November. And then, lastly, the last couple of weeks have been you know, a fairly big hit to the market. Uh, so we're so we're actually sort of not really recovering from the October swoon as fast as we thought we would. So what are the main reasons for this? Um, I think what's going on is that, first of all, on the macro side, growth is certainly slowing in the U.S. And while the U.S. is still growing at about 3% GDP year over year, um, it is slowing from the record second quarter. Third quarter was down, uh, was, was about 3% compared to about 4% in the second quarter. And it, all indications are that the final quarter will come in about 2.5%. And we've seen that in leading industries like housing, industrial production, manufacturing orders, uh, and even last week's retail sales. So definitely growth is slowing from its sort of all-time highs, most of which were induced by the tax cuts, which, as we mentioned at the time, were very much front-end loaded for the consumer and for the corporate sector. Secondly, trade, I mean, that has been a leitmotif of the entire year. Um, we seem to have had the new NAFTA, although I can't remember what the new phrase for it is, but essentially it's just the revamped NAFTA with, uh, with obviously Mexico and Canada. That's allayed. Europe is still in hold mode. Um, I think everyone's hoping that it doesn't move to the next level, and everyone's focusing on the China trade talks, which... Um, We'll come back to it in a minute, but at the moment we've got a, we got a deadline coming up fairly soon with that, with the G20 meeting. Uh, next, it's the rates. So uh, it's pretty certain that the Fed will uh, increase rates in December. I'd say actually move from pretty certain to dead certain. And then the question is whether they raise it two or three times uh, in 2019, and then what the trajectory after that looks looks like. We've got a Fed which is committed to, to that, has been reinforcing that over the last couple of weeks. People thought that the Fed might be a little bit more uh, dovish with the correction in the equity market, uh, sort of going back to the Yellen, Bernanke, and Greenspan put days, but I think those days are over. Um, and uh, would they, you know, in, in light of the softer economic numbers, uh, change their, at least their um, talk about raising rates? And the answer to that has been firmly no, they're not. They're holding very tight, and that's coming through not only Powell, but in some pretty um, pr pretty, pretty strong uh, statements from the other Fed governors, both the regional ones as well as the permanent ones. Um, I'd also think, you know, uh, that the Brexit negotiations have been hammering in the background, and although they look like a very local affair, uh, they're really not. The UK is still the fifth largest economy. Importantly for us investors, it's about the third or fourth largest stock market, so it has a very big impact on, on world equities. And last week was a very bad week for Brexit negotiations, and this week doesn't look like it's going much better. And so I think 
you know, while Brexit was the last story, we've had Italy, we've had Turkey, we've had Venezuela, we've had Argentina, um, and obviously the other geopolitical things in the background, all of which haven't helped. Um, but I think a major, major uh, reason for the correction has been tech, and that's really what we want to spend a little bit of time on today's call. So let's to kind of break down what, what's happening in tech. Um, and really, what we're talking about is five stocks. Uh, and this is Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. I mean, there are other ones in there, um, for sure, Microsoft, which we're leaving aside for the moment. But these, these companies have really been a huge driver of returns the last couple of years. Um, very well followed, uh, very widely followed, and there's a lot of optimism and hope embedded into those stocks. Um, and I think what's happened, first of all, is that the valuations got very, very high. Um, I mean, I think the cheapest stock in there was probably 25 times earnings compared to the stock market is about 18 times earnings. Yeah, I think, um, you know, talking about the, the thing, um, it's been down 20, 22% since the peak. 22%. 22%. 22%. Um, and there are certainly company-specific uh, scrutinies. Such as Facebook and, um, and and Apple's iPhone demand and things like that. But one of the things, as uh, Christian was pointing out, is valuation. It was one of the most crowded trades um, across holders of funds. I always think, Rita, when you get stocks which are trading on those valuations, there's no room for error. They have to beat estimates, not just meet them. They have to give positive forward guidance, not just business as usual. And everybody has to see the metrics, whether it's iPhone shipments or uh, engaged users with someone like Facebook or uh, Amazon sales, you know, all on the up. Yeah, and regulations, I think, have been on our radar for a while, but I think now it's really raising its head. I agree with you. I mean, uh, look, people talk about the Amazon, I mean, or rather the Apples, both were, and Amazon were over a trillion dollars. And now they're about, um, you know, more capitalized in right. about the 807, 50 billion. But I think the most spectacular one, which was Facebook, which was at one point capitalized back in July at 638 billion, is now 350 billion. Yeah. That's a pretty cool 250 billion dollars worth of market <laughs> cap has disappeared. And by the way, that 250 billion dollars would be enough cash to buy all but the. Uh, uh, top 20 of the S&P 500. And I agree with you there. there. I think that regulatory specter is breathing down their neck and uh, and people only need to see a crack in advertisers' commitment to that platform and it'll go even further. It, we, I mean, I don't think we, it's, we've it's we seen the end of it, right? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, the New York Times article, which uh, got a lot of attention last week, uh, then there was some weekend press, the National Times followed up with it. Um, the fact that we've had two successive weekdays, you know, means that Facebook is doing its usual trick of not responding. Uh, so people are, you know, reading the worst into it. So we'll just have to wait, wait there. But I do think that valuations first, but then, as you said, the regulatory side is 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 breathing behind Facebook, but it's also going after Google. And uh, and I think there's some concern there. Uh, the other reason I think for tech is peak margins. You mentioned that with Apple. Uh, the iPhone shipments in the quarter were revised down to about 71 million. Seems like a lot of iPhones, though, Rita. But uh... yeah, I, I think it, it's well, it's 
global growth slowing, that's certainly affecting our coal demand. Um, it's one of the most chased after goods, consumer goods in Asia. <laughs> and I think, you know, with the whole um, not as rosy growth in China, that has been affecting. But you and I were discussing this the last few days. We want to talk about Apple suppliers because if Facebook goes down, it really goes down by itself. There's no major suppliers to Apple, uh, to, to Facebook. Sure, they buy a lot of computers, they buy a lot of storage, but they don't have the component suppliers. They're not an assembler, they're not a manufacturer, but that's a very different story with Apple. Yeah, so um, uh, looking, looking across, say, in Apple 10, um, there are probably a gazillion different components coming from all kinds of countries. So we've, you know, if it, it's been talked about that it, it, it's made in China, but it's really made in China, um, made up of all kinds of global components. Um, you know, with the display coming from uh, Japan and Samsung, with the integrated circuit coming from the U.S., and potentially some of the memory chips, chips from Japan and South Korea, all kinds of what I was thinking of as collateral damage <laughs> in, in this. Yeah, and we ran a chart yeah. with some of the major suppliers, and we'll post it up on our web, but we'd have to put a, you know, a, um, adults only warning on it because these stocks really took a very big hit. Uh, and these are companies which, uh, some which I don't, I know barely, you know, Momentum, Analog, uh, Japan Display, IQUE. Western Digital. Western not, Digital. Some are US, some are non US, but collectively we're seeing, we're seeing anywhere from a 10% decline to a 50% decline since August. Yeah, so I, I think that's the big difference is that, you know, these are firms which are in the supply chain. People don't think of them as consumers. They're probably not widely held by individual investors, or they certainly are by uh, institutional investors. And these things have just taken a total collapse uh, in line with Apple. So they're like a leverage play on Apple. Yeah, absolutely. One other, so, so that's what's going on. I think I was make different, that's different with some of the other tech names while we sort of wait for Apple. Meanwhile, uh, Apple is trading on 14 times forward earnings, and um, that's getting close to being pretty attractive. Um, we, again, we put up a chart where if it hit 12 times earnings, you should jump in with both feet. Um, it's been as high as 18, and it's obviously coming back quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, there, there are, um, uh, you know, there are clients calling uh, about uh, you know buying Apple at this valuation. So yeah, it's on our radar. Yeah, and uh, also, I don't think we've ever seen a company dominate an index, certainly in the U.S., maybe overseas, as much as Apple dominates the S&P today. It's uh, you know it's just under a trillion dollars. The S&P is capitalized about twenty-two trillion dollars. That makes it just under five percent. But if you're in a growth index like the Russell Week 1000, it's going to be more 7 or 8%. Uh, and if you're in an active mutual fund, it's probably going to be you know, as high as that. So uh, so we're all kind of Apple shareholders, even though we might be in indexes and various ETFs. Yeah. And I think there, there, with, with the change in how the S&P um, industry classifications has changed, some of the tech uh, names, such as those in the FANG, has been reallocated from technology into other areas. You make an excellent point, uh, and we don't want to underestimate this. We've, we've talked about it before, but um, you know, maybe you can just talk about those. Uh, we, we call them gigs, but we're kind of acronym crazy here. <laughs> well, Amazon has always been in, in the consumer discretionary. Um, Google, Facebook, Netflix, those have been reclassified into the communication services. Um, Microsoft, 
think it's one of the ones remaining in the technology uh, space, among with some of the providers, as we were talking about Western Digital, uh, some of these IP, uh, analog device, these kind of things. So the tech name, uh, the tech sector is undergoing changes. Yes, and last time we had this, do you remember it was REITs came out of financial <laughs> yes. services? That was easy. But that's a small that amount. Small, yes. 2%, yeah. know, so, so the financial sector declined by, I think, from about 13 to 11, REITs went from zero to two. This is a much bigger change going right. on. Right. Uh, and you know, it's difficult to tell exactly what's going on, but you've got a lot of funds uh, rebalancing their sector weightings. Right. So that's the tech story. Uh, I, I think um, look, some of it is genuinely to, con to concern about. Uh, I think Apple will reset itself, um, but it has to kind of go through this this phase of, of selling down. Um, Facebook probably has the biggest uh, regulatory overhang concerning with it. And I think, you know, you know, sorry for uh, for maybe getting a little direct here, but uh, Facebook seems to have the biggest management problem. Uh, I mean, the others at least have some pretty well-respected leaders. They've been around a long time. Governance is good. Um, there's, you know, there's a kind of a good relationship with the street, but I think Facebook is uh, is, is really none of that, and uh, and I think that's that gives it another uh, point of weakness. So um, yeah, I think that yesterday we uh, I noticed that um, the tech sector was down, and all 67 members of the tech sector were down as well. So uh, so what's happening is I think in addition to the individual stories is that there's totally indiscriminate selling of the sector en masse, and that's just people repositioning and taking profit. It's also happening globally uh, with Tencent, um, Alibaba, and, uh, you know, JD, and Baidu all falling. Yes. I think it has something to do with pristine pricing yeah. across the global state. That's been another interesting point about uh, this recent decline, but actually this year, there's been really nowhere to hide. You know, international markets down, emerging markets down, every major sector of the U.S. down. We've seen consumer staples come back in the last week or two, but that's just a classic safety trade. Um, or utilities. <laughs> uh, yeah, or utilities. Um, treasuries, weak to down. It's very rare to see the tre treasuries uh, at least not rally in a market correction like that. And they've started to the last few days and last few weeks, but for this year they haven't. That's a good point. I mean, in our portfolios, it, we try to have some exposure to things other other than technology, other than the highest growth uh, sectors. Uh, dividend aristocrats, for example, has been doing very well. Um, quality uh, has done well. I think some of the quality included some tech names, so it's moderated a little bit. But um, you know, with with uh, addition of treasuries, for example, that'll help balancing out the risk of the other areas of the portfolio. So we keep an eye on that. Make sure that we have exposure to all all areas um, of the market. And of course, the other uh, action that we've taken twice this year and looking to do it again probably is the protection notes. And some of your clients know how this works. Essentially, we put a we'd, we put a floor under the returns on a major index for for two years and a cap on the upside. So if there is a, a downside uh, correction, there's uh, you know investors will be more protected against that, and obviously the the price for, for getting that protection is a cap on the upside. But we don't really see 
we see some of the caps as being quite attractive <laughs> where the markets are today. So I think to Reza's point, defensive quality is really going to pay out some, some deliberate protection and also the, the treasuries. Look, I'd sort of sum this up and just say this is late cycle stuff. This is the, the equity market's been going on for a while. The economy we know is showing some late cycle uh, um, uh, changes and inflection points and downward points. Um, no one's getting particularly concerned about this. It's actually quite an orderly market sell down. Um, and I think some of it's very healthy. You know, this was overbought in some places. Uh, volatility is coming back. We've talked about that for a while. It was very tame in 2017, unusually quiet. Um, and the next thing that we're really looking at is to see what happens in the credit cycle and any kind of turning in that. And when, when we mean the, lend, the credit cycle, it's very simple. What, what companies that that owe money, whether to banks through things like leverage loans or to high quality uh, you know, bonds, um, how much are they going to get charged for, um, for, for, for being lesser credit qualities? And, we're, and if we look at things like spreads and so on, they haven't shown any alarming signals so far. Um, we'd expect them to widen out a little bit, um, but those are things that we're, we're looking at. Um, so that, that concludes our sort of prepared remarks, uh, and we have a few minutes now, um, and so we'll open it up to, um, to all questions. And so I'm going to unmute the lines here, hopefully not disconnect us. Okay, so what do we do? Okay, so first we'll take that one, and then if Oh, that's right. We have a we have one coming in. Yeah, you can see I'm very challenged here technologically. So, <laughs> so if, you want to, if you want to ask a question, you press star nine, and we'll see it on a screen here. So please, uh, please do that. So I was pressing star nine, mine. Star nine, your end. So if star nine, please, please put a, uh, um, a question. But we have someone who who wrote uh, a good question in here, and I'll read it out verbatim. But Fed rate increase. And tightening of money have already affected the housing market. Despite optimism in recent polling, I would guess small business is going to feel the credit crunch soon and curtail growth plans. Any thoughts on the effect on small business? Um, I, I certainly agree with the first one, the, uh, the, the tightening of money, mortgage rates going up, um, and home builder stocks and so on affecting, seeing a, kind of a rollover a little bit in that in the housing market. It's nothing like 2008, it's a kind of a, but it's a standard kind of roll down from a cyclical peak. So what's the next step with small businesses? Um, I, I think small businesses, there's been a big gap this year and for the last couple of years between what they say they're going to do and what they're going to, going to actually do. So the NFIB survey, that's the one we really look at, has been pretty optimistic and has been having record, uh, and these are companies, by the way, National Federation of Independent Business People who uh, employ 50, 50 uh, employees or less, and they make up you know, very nearly half of the US uh, labor force. They've been very optimistic about changing regulations, uh, lower tax, uh, lower taxes, and seeing some optimism and, and final demand. And they've been saying they've been um, wanting to expand. But when the follow-up questions are, are you increasing capacity? Are you increasing capital expenditure? Are you hiring more people? Are you paying more people? They don't answer quite as rigorously. In other words, uh, they, they're, in a, they're in a positive state of mind, but they're not necessarily following through by actually doing it. So, Rita, 
I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I, I think there could be some, uh, as, as a question put it, you know, some curtailment of growth plans. But I don't think it's it's going to be that 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 big an effect on the economy um, because they haven't done a lot. Recently. They haven't done a lot. I think um, uncertainty uh, is one thing that affects the NFIB um, uh, surveys quite a bit, and I think with the recent tariff and the that, aff that affects the supply chain more, I think uncertainty has been higher now. So uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a lot to watch out for. Um, small cap, though, um, there are a number of small cap companies in the, in the indexes that are not affected by trade yeah. and not affected by, you know, some of these things. So um, potentially, you know, it could be sheltered. So we, we'll, we'll have to see uh, the, the subsequent fallout. Yeah, uh, and I and that'll show up, I think, in the coming months. But the surveys so far have held up yeah. pretty well. But I've always been surprised in this cycle between what they say they're going to do and what they actually do. Right. And that's uh, so. So I don't think there'll be any kind of big drop off in their activity for now. So if you would like to ask a question, please press star nine, and we will open um, open up your line. Please go ahead. Yep, someone uh, has pressed it. If you have a question, if you have a question, please go ahead and ask it. I've opened your line. Hi, guys. This is Robert. Hi. Could you please could you please talk a little bit about the effect on our international yeah, I think um, international has obviously been a, a weak spot this year. That's been the rate, trade, dollar story all kind of put together. Um, recently, just the last few days, it's actually been quite a good good place to be. Um, uh, but I, th I think really they're they're kind of global growth oriented right now, with the U.S. Still being in a large factor in this, and the trade talk still being very much in the up in the air. This is going to be, uh, you know, still a, a difficult area. I think with international, though, it is worth kind of separating it out into its components. We have China, the kind of slower growth, you know, in the midst of a trade war. Uh, Europe, sort of slightly off, but not, but not badly so. I think in terms of its economic growth, relatively slow economic growth, but it's, everyone's expected that. But right now, they're being caught in some of the trade wars, especially when it comes to the, the car manufacturers. Uh, UK is hopeless, and we've been out of it for, well, over two years until that sorts itself out. And then Japan is a very good story, particularly based on the monetary activity there, as well as the, a lot of corporate reforms. So, uh, you know, we've been bringing down some of our international exposure um, and selling into some recent strength where we can. Um, but but generally we like the valuations there, and uh, you know I I think right now they're very U.S. dependent, they're very linked to the U.S. But I I think some of that dependency might begin to fall away, um, especially going into the new year. Good. Well, thank you very much. We've actually hit our 20-minute mark, and we always want to try and keep these on. Uh, on point. If you have any questions or, or comments, please send them into into our general e email or, or me, which is Seathwaite.
C-P-H-W-A-I-T at bnjadvisors.com. And uh, thank you very much for calling in. And I will now read the disclosure. Please note that the information provided in this presentation is for general information purposes only, should not be considered as an individual recommendation or personalized investment advice. Investment strategy discussed in this presentation may have been suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or own particular situation before making an investment decision or expressions of opinion on subjects change without notice in reaction to shifting market or economic conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The opinion presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance. 